Hello and welcome to More Than a Game, a podcast about the A-Leagues, Premier League and more. This week, the officer's David Brent makes an appearance in English non-league football. South Melbourne Mike exposes himself to Lisa Devanna. Mayhem in Al Gran Berbi. And hashtag transfer chat, including Everton's latest shit show. My name's Tommy C and joining me on the pod this week, Jesse, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm good, and uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Um, you know, since I've gone away, um, there's probably been more postponements, cancellations um, <laughs> than actual football in the A-League, but um, I can assure you that one thing's happened, and that's uh, the return of Trent Bahadia. So, um, <laughs> you know, I go away and he starts to turn good, so no, not a coincidence, I think. Well, mate, we're going to have to talk about that because uh, I'm still not convinced that Trench Barge is good. So we'll we'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit more later, though. Uh, mate, let's let's uh, let's hook straight into moment of the week, though. What what have you got um, straight up? Well, one of them is going to be covered very shortly. Is is a very uh, colourful interview um, that <laughs> yeah, a lot of people uh, said that you know if I was a manager, um, potentially that's how I'd handle my uh, press gallery. That's a good uh, shout. I can't argue with that. I think it's just hilarious. Um, some of the mind games in that interview is fantastic. Um, another one that we'll probably cover as well is the Ward Prowse free kick, which was just absolutely sensational. Um, I just haven't seen a person have a go like that for quite a while. So that was that was a special moment. Um, Colby and I, we're not always uh, super prepared or, or super tech savvy when it comes to being able to insert the uh, the audio clip straight into um, straight into the show. But look, we've got a pleasure, a, a treat for everyone um, this week. We're going to be able to play both of those clips: uh, the James Ward Prowse commentary and also uh, the the David Brent in English non lead football. So, well, Jesse, which probably... one would you like first? <laughs> well. <laughs> one 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 more shout has to go to um, Phoenix Woman, uh, Aly- Alyssa Winham, with a um, a cracking goal. I believe it's her first goal, uh, senior goal. So um, uh, absolute moment. Uh, if you haven't seen the the clip, I think I'm assuming it's probably on Keep Up or uh, on Paramount Plus or one of those platforms. But basically, she uh, she just melts down after she's scored and just can't believe that what has just happened. So it's uh, warms the heart, Tommy, when you see that stuff happen. It was really nice. Yeah, you sent that around in the group chat today, today, Jesse, and I, I really liked it. It definitely, uh, it was a heartwarming moment. Not love to see it. Let's see. All right, um, let's uh, let's play this uh, this interview that we were talking about. So this is from uh, Aldershot Town. Uh, they're from the first level below League Two, so the fifth tier of English football. Uh, and this is the I think it's a pre-game interview, isn't it, Jesse? Yeah. I think so. I'm not 100% sure. I just enjoy the clip. (laughs) All right. Here you go. FA Trophy tie at home against Bromley this weekend. What's your thoughts ahead of the game? If a tree falls and no one is there to hear it fall, does it make a noise? So, does a penguin get cold? What way does your bath water go? Clockwise or anti-clockwise when you take the plug out? You know, these are questions which are going to be asked of us. These are questions we've got to have the answers to. Um, you know, we're always looking for solutions and we've got to come up with the, you know, solve the equation sometimes. But, you know, Sam's had a lovely haircut. It's started to grow out now. <laughs> Coops is here, working silently away. Robbie's over there. It's the first time he's been quiet today. Terry's brought a briefcase in, you know. He's got four <laughs> Japanese talking dogs in there. But, you know, this is, this is what we work with and we'll continue to work hard. Oh, Lord. Oh, I mean, that you can't is, argue with that. You can't argue with that. It's just spectacular, isn't it? Like, I um, 
I shared that on the the More Than a Game Twitter account with just like the the gif of David Brent when he just looks looks to the from the interviewer back to the back to the camera and then back to the interviewer, and oh my lord, it's just it's it's just David Brent. It's just concentrated, uh, David Brent. It's it's classic. That is. Um, oh my lord, <laughs> Sam brought a briefcase in. <laughs> Four Japanese dogs in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! All right, now uh, uh, another great piece of uh, of content we've got this week was also uh, the the response to uh, James Ward Prowse's free kick against Wolves, and this as well is is pretty well standalone, right? I think everyone has probably seen the free kick by now, but uh, here it goes. Again, I think this is just a, a little bit too far out for for Ward Prowse. For me, this should be a little angle for Perot. Very difficult to, to put anything on that. You have to take the, the weight off the ball to start off with. Can't put too much on it because it'll just go out of play. Unless, of course, he fancies it from Well, there. I was about to say, uh, Jose Sarr said, look, make sure there's at least two in the wall because he might actually have a crack here at this late stage. Which he did! Oh, Seems. what a goal! What an astounding free kick! Oh, well, so good. so good. It's just such a perfect moment of uh, the the uh, the commentator just having a big, big slice of humble pie, and especially because he bangs on for so long, saying, "Oh, yeah, this is how I would do it." And it's just, oh, it gets absolutely shown up. It's fantastic. I mean, for new listeners, um, if you haven't heard before, my, my wife's Portuguese. We watched the Euros. <laughs> um, the, the, the When they won the Euros, I was in Portugal. And um, when we watched the replay back um, in the BBC version or the English version, it had um, Martin Tyler was one of the commentators. And he's like, he's, it's come to it air. He's like, looking for some help. He doesn't need any help <laughs> when he scored the goal, and um, and my wife still quotes it to this day. <laughs> oh, very. It's good. just one of those like iconic sort of moments where the commentator was convinced that he there's no way he could take a shot from out there, and obviously <laughs> uh, the rest is history. So it is very satisfying when the commentators kind of have the egg on their face, and then they have to get excited to overcompensate. <laughs> Even uh, even the co-commentator, even he sort of he tried to rev himself up a little bit, but just wasn't wasn't quite. I think it's uh, is it Joe Spate? I think it is who was the he's the guy so, who gets yeah. really excited, and I actually think he's a really underrated commentator, but doesn't get Gold some rush. of the Gold rush, yeah, Gold rush king. <laughs> Uh, all right. In terms of my moment of the week, though, uh, it was hard to go past that All Shot Town uh, interview. That was that was going to be mine as well. But look, very quickly, um, shout out for Josh Cavallo. Um, he's had a bit of a rough uh, rough week slash fortnight um, with, uh, I guess, the the incident involving Melbourne Victory fans recently. But look, um, he he's ultimately come out on top, maybe, and he's had the last laugh. This this week was announced that um, he's going to be. Uh, he secured a, a global Ralph Lauren sponsorship deal, so uh, good on him. And uh, so he's he's going to be laughing all the way to the bank now. I think at least this week and uh, into into later this year. So good on him, stylish young man. Yeah, good on. Uh, own goals, Jesse. You you got any? So um, this is uh, an interesting one because I was really I was finding it difficult to find anything this week. There's so many great moments. I mean, I didn't even talk about my boy 
Coutinho, Coutinho um, return to the Premier League. We'll talk about him later. But um, mm-hmm. on the uh, the own goal side of things, it's the word postponement not being used and the word c- cancellation being used instead of postponement. It really grinds my gears, Tommy. And, <laughs> and, and I'm just noticing that it's, 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 first there's the COVID-19 pandemic and now there's the cancellation. Um, you can call it That's- cancellation culture, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. But we're now in a situation where people are mis- using the word cancellation instead of postponement. And it, it's 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 starting to really get to me, as you can tell. I mean, you know, like these Premier League games that are cancelled, they're not cancelled. They're going to get postponed. They're going to get played. But the media and everybody involved are just saying they're cancelled. And basically we're getting to a point where the word postponed is just getting uh, thrown out the door. It's uh, basically won't even exist anymore soon uh, because cancellation has uh, surpassed it. So you're saying that postponements are getting cancelled? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what, that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, look, details matter in in the world. We we're we're big exponents of that, and so uh, yeah. Well, mate, the, I, I mean, I, like, the, the game is going to happen. That's my point. Like it's cancelled. <laughs> the game's not never going to happen. It is going to happen. No, it's no, just going to. No, it's it's going to be okay. <laughs> the A League hasn't been cancelled, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like half the listeners would switch off if they were like, oh, the A-League's cancelled. Oh, well, I'm not going to bother with well, this I then. Could, I tell you what, I could be cancelled after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all right. You're all right. Uh, but look, uh, as far as I go for an own goal this week, it was, um, I've got two. The first one was really quick. Uh, involved uh, the the Seville Derby or the El the El Grand Derby. It's, you talk about uh, superfluous words or butchering of the English language using the El Clasico or the El Grand Derby, and I just did it <laughs> myself. Um, in the El Grand Derby uh, between Seville, uh, sorry Sevilla and uh, Real Betis, uh, Real Betis uh, scored a goal. One uh, Jordan, he uh, he scored a goal, which I think was the equaliser, or the um, yeah, it was or it was one goal to to beg them back uh, from a two nil loss uh, or two nil scoreline. And uh, one of the uh, Se- Sevilla fans, I think, has thrown a pole and hit him in the head, and uh, the the game is. ended up getting post um, yeah, post no abandoned. Again, words are important. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they abandoned the game, and I think they, they, I think at the end they ended up giving the the match to Real Betis, basically because the match was abandoned. So um, that was that's pretty grim. Um, the other thing, though, and this is back in Australia, was uh, to do with uh, the uh, what is it called the the Liberty uh, A League Women competition. Um, Perth Glory were uh, were hosting a game out in WA this week, and and Michael Caine of uh, not the one from the Batman uh, trilogy. Um, uh, this one, uh, the journalist from Mark Viduka interview fame, um, he tweeted about uh, how he was at the game, and he counted two hundred and eight people. And it got me wondering: is is that the real South Melbourne Mike? Is is Mike Vadu? Sorry, is Michael Kane really South Melbourne Mike? It, it just goes to A League games, just counting the number of people there. But um, look, the the real own goal in this was um, uh, well, the, this could almost be a moment of the week. Was Lisa Devanna's reply, which was, "Michael, take this shit tweet off. Fine, you respect me, uh, but you're you're talking about my glory teammates here, and some of these girls playing in the league are still kids, and I won't allow you to shit talk them publicly." Which I thought was just, you can hear that in Lisa Devana's voice, right? 
um but just i love the the way that she just passionately defended uh her, her girls her team and um obviously as well right like um like the a-league is uh the a-league men is struggling for for fans uh in in grounds at the moment so we know that a lot of this is down to the pandemic and and people pointing out that there's not a lot of people at games at the moment pretty much at any sport in australia is uh is pretty counter in counterproductive so um yeah, yeah i mean but, I, yeah. I understand i understand like how we have to talk about it sometimes in the sense that you know there, there's a problem across many codes with with engagement and, and crowds turning up but as you say it's not helpful if you just literally just criticize it and you don't have anything else to, any other value to add um it's just yep. it can be disrespectful as you can see with the uh the uh, fiery reply and look, Lisa Devano, she's bang on the money as well, right? Like these are these are kids that are uh, playing at like a professional level, or um, and then uh, trying their best to sort of break through to the next level. And um, yeah, it's just uh, not not ideal that there's someone there just basically slamming him. Um, it did come to mind though that um, you know the wire quote of like if you if you come for the queen, you best not miss. And Lisa Devano did not miss. No, it certainly <laughs> didn't. It certainly didn't. All right, uh, a couple of news points from this week, though, and they're, I think they're they're all transfer related. So I guess we'll call this transfer chat. First one, Jesse, big one for you, Chris Wood to Newcastle. Um, Damo asks, uh, is Chris Wood to Newcastle the biggest New Zealand transfer of all time? Uh, I think, I think it has to be up there. I mean, I, I think that we all still um, remember. Uh, Ryan Nelson for for Blackburn, I believe. Mm. Um, he was there for quite some time. So I think, and, and he was followed pretty closely back in, in New Zealand when he was moving around the Premier League. But um, I think now, I think maybe considering this, what's about to happen with Newcastle. I mean, I think we all sort of know that Wood's probably not going to be in the the plans once they actually uh, start building a really really strong team. But could be a great striker for him in the Championship next season. Well, there's that, but there's also the sense that even if they do stay up, it's like, if you're him, why would you care? Like, why, why would you care about playing for Newcastle in six or eight years from now when it, whenever they become a superpower? When right now you can be part of the the team that builds builds some um, a bit of a legacy and whether or not that be, you know, yo-yoing back up from the championship or not. Um, where was he going at Burnley? Like, he, he'd just done everything he could at that club and the game plan was never going to change. And it was just kind of like, I think he'd gone a bit stale. So, I mean, I'm, I'm personally stoked for him. Um, I think, I think it's. You, you, you burnley for him or you stoked for him? Well, on a, on a cold and wet windy night, I'm definitely stoked <laughs> for him. Um, but I have to say, you know, you can, I think it's important to separate him from Newcastle's dog move and, and buying him um, because Cheeky, they, they met his buyout clause. So mm. if, if you're Chris Wood, obviously you, you, you're happy days. But a lot of people, I think, you know, a little bit of mixed motion, mixed emotions on Twitter, maybe more so from Burnley fans who are sort of having a go. And it's like, I, I, basically, they put a, a buyout clause there going, oh, you know, we'll, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, if you come calling to Chris Wood, you're not going to get him um, because, you know, we've got this much money. And then, of course, they didn't expect someone like Newcastle, like a relegation rival, to have that change in their pockets. So... Yeah, it's just an unfortunate set of events for Burnley Football Club, I think. I, I think they've come out of it pretty well, though. I mean, you should you should be able to find a $20 million striker that at least is going to make you as competitive as Chris Wood. I mean, 
Um, I'm sure they would have been doing their scouting anyway because they've got new owners and I think they've got some money to spend as well. So um, the fact that now that they pretty much have to go out and buy someone just um, I guess makes that a little bit more urgent though. Mm. Um, other transfers, uh, Luca Dina has gone from Aston Villa, uh, sorry, uh, to Aston Villa from Everton. Um, this is this strikes me as just like agent uh, agent Rafa just uh, further just just taking out all of the goodness from Everton and just uh, basically trying to to get rid of it. In, in fact, he's even sold him to to uh, former former Liverpool legend Stevie Gerrard. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's just. It- the conspiracy theorists, it's, just, it's out of control at the moment. I mean, it's it's spicy, don't get me wrong, but I think if you um, – the interesting thing about Dino is according to some of the rumours, at least even from some of the stuff that Fabrizio said as well, um, the he didn't want to go to Newcastle. So Newcastle were interested, but he, he actually – he didn't want to go. So he chose um, when the offer came on the table, he wanted to go to Villa. So how much say Everson seemed to have in the matter, I don't know, because he clearly wasn't playing in the, in the first team anymore. Um, but what a signing for for Villa because I mean you know he might not be um, I don't think he's the world's greatest defender but he's incredibly incredibly astute going forward and his um, crossing is sensational and I was just saying to you guys offline when we were talking about it early in the week that one really underrated thing about the signing is that you know obviously most people expect him just to replace Target like he did um, on mm-hmm. the weekend but. They, they can also play different formations now because targets are perfectly competent at, at left back. So you can actually have a Dina, if you want, playing more progressively in like a 3-4-3 or something like that. So he, he can play as a, essentially as a, as a pressing midfielder. And I mean, you look around the league and you see Cancelo and Trent starting to play like that. And I'm sure Villa have their own plans about how they want to use their fullback. So now they've actually got the chance of using him really progressively and he wouldn't have got that opportunity at, at, at rough as Everton at least. Mate, he's a maybe. There's a player that uh, I know you're a big fan of, uh, and and I don't know if this comparison is taking things too far. But would you say that he's basically Aston Villa's Matt Ritchie now? I'd say that the dream for me would actually be to have Luca Dean and uh, Kieran Trippier on the same side of the field, um, <laughs> both both oh. on hugging that left hand touch line. It would be an absolute dream. Rest in peace, Colby List. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Absolutely. I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring Banter. it up. <laughs> uh, next up in transfer chat with Riley McGree. Now, we mentioned this last week that he was linked with Celtic. Um, he ended up rejecting Celtic because he was offered more money and Charlotte offered more money by uh, by Middlesbrough. So Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough uh, came with more money uh, for, for Riley McGree, and so he's going to be back in the championship shortly. Um, great move, I think, for Riley McGree, both Either Celtic or Borough, I think we're going to be great moves for him. In uh, Chris Wilder and Antiposta Coglu, we're going to be great managers, I think, for him. Um, but the the fact that Borough are sort of thereabouts in the in the playoffs at, um, in the championship at the moment mean that I mean it's it's very possible that we could be seeing Ryan McCree back in the in, or sorry in the Premier League next year, which would be just fantastic. I think having um, having Aussies back in the in the Premier League after a bit of a, a dry spell over the last couple of years. Um, it's probably about time that we we talk about the probably the big one and probably the most unexpected of all of the transfers, though. And it was uh, Philippe Coutinho to Aston Villa. Did you see this happening, uh, Jesse? <laughs> um, I uh, I didn't. I didn't. I think that most of the links was was him going back to um, or going to Newcastle or potentially mm. Arsenal were interested as well. Um, 
But I couldn't really see in those setups, I mean, maybe Newcastle, but I couldn't really see where he was going to be the main man. And I think that one of the things I said to you guys during the week is that he needs to be the main man or at least mm. at the centre of the play. Like he wants the ball a lot. He wants to be given the opportunity to dictate play and he couldn't do that obviously at Barca. And I mean, he had one of the few times he had opportunity to do that at Bayern, they absolutely ripped Spurs to shreds, if you mm. recall. Um, and he had a cracking game. I think he scored a hat-trick or something, but he's just... He is one of those players where, I mean, when he's down on confidence, he's invisible. But when he's when he's on, he's on. And I, I was actually, he even surprised me as a long-term uh, big fan of him. Um, he surprised me how well he played uh, last night with uh, against Manchester United. He just, he came on and he just made it an immediate impact. Um, and, and that's sort of, that's a, a good segue into my, into my question about the continued transfer is that obviously he was on fire in that game against Man United. He got a, an assist mm-hmm. and, a, and a goal after coming on a, a midway through the second half. Do you think that's just the beginning of, of Coutinho's sort of spell uh, or do you think that's a bit of a, a bit more of a Di Maria moment where if you remember Di Maria had like that magical mm. uh, little chip uh, goal, I think, against Leicester and then really like he didn't do anything else after that. So, um, yeah, do you think it's just think... the beginning or do you think this is just one of uh, his one and only highlight um, of his I time? Think, I think there's more for him to give. I think that the difference between the Di Maria, I mean, the person I would compare him to is, is Hummus. Um, when Hummus mm. came in and immediately looked really good that first few weeks for Everton and then just obviously, I mean, injuries and that sort of thing. But um, you could question at times his motivation, whereas I guess that's the question with, with Coutinho is he looks like he's motivated. That performance last night looked like he was motivated. He looked hungry to get on the ball. Um, and there's... The, the, if Gerard can get him motivated, which he looks like it already has, then I think he walks a pass sort of how Di Maria and Hamas adjusted to the league. And I think he knows that this is his last sort of chance probably in this in this division. Mm. And I think he last night's performance indicated that he's going to try and, and, and play as well as he can. We, see, um, we saw last year with Lingard going to West Ham how a player that hasn't been playing that much can come in mid-year and because they're so fresh and they're so, uh, in, I think in both these cases, they're super motivated, they can come in and they can they can play at a, an intensity and sustained intensity for, for a couple of weeks, whereas a lot of players by this point of the season, they're not quite on fumes yet, but mm-hmm. they, they're definitely feeling a little bit fatigued from, uh, from what is a long season and they're only halfway through it. So... Um, Maybe well, this is just the beginning of, of much more magic from, from Philippe. I agree. Um, finally, um, this, I guess, is a little bit of transfer chat, but um, Rafa Benitez was sacked overnight from Everton after uh, Everton lost 2-1 against uh, relegation-embattled Norwich City. Um, I, I don't think anyone is really particularly surprised at Rafa getting the sack. I mean, Everton's performances and, and results in the last um, probably four or five months, pretty much since the first month of the season, uh, have been absolutely woeful despite um, really struggling with injuries. Um, it's rumoured that they were rejected um, subsequently by Jose Mourinho. I think he's well, well and truly entrenched at Roma at the moment, only just arrived there. Um, but uh, Martinez, uh, Roberto Martinez and Wayne Rooney, uh, Rino Gattuso have all been linked with uh, the vacant Everton job. What an absolute and, excuse the language, shit show, because there's no other word to describe this whole Everton situation really, is there? There's just no planning. I mean, we've massacred Man United at times about their lack of foresight. I mean, Everton's just, it's just diabolical. Um, I, I think the thing with this one is that 
I find sometimes when a business, and I mean, let's face it, these football clubs are businesses. I find it sometimes when a business makes a really poor judgment error or repeatedly makes mistakes, you just kind of think to yourself, no, nah, you can't be. You can't be that stupid or you can't have <laughs> such a poor PR team or you can't have such a shit HR department. But in this case with Everton, when they signed Rafa, anybody you spoke to who knows an ounce about football would be like, that was, that, that, that's not going to work. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, because of the Merseyside rivalry but secondly mm. because i mean what really is he going to bring to that team that is different to what ancelotti was trying to do and that sort of thing like it's just they need something else they need like a a belief and a, a system and a sort of an ethos to build around they don't have that instead they went back to playing sort of protective football and they it, it's not a surprise that the same players who started to feel a little bit uninspired from the previous managers about the same style of football became uninspired by the same kind of football on top of that with injuries. I don't think you can blame Rafa for the injuries, but um, he he was in a hiding to nothing. I mean, we talked about it on the pod when he got hired. I'm like, we're all taking bets on how long he's going to last. And <laughs> here we are. I mean, it's, it's I, I'm sort of a little bit more in disbelief that this has happened because as a Liverpool fan, I'm like, this is such a shame that he he took the job in the first place. I mean, I would, have, I would love to just rewind and don't take that job. It's never going to end well. And certainly it didn't. I think you 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 that sense of disbelief is one that I can definitely share in as well. It it just seems weird that like it was bizarre that he got appointed in the first place, and now I mean they they made that decision, they brought him in, they had to commit to it as well. And one of the problems that they've had there is that they've had so many different managers, so many different styles, and each manager has also had their like major impact on the the shape of the squad. And Rafa Benitez, like, he, he got out a bunch of uh, personalities that he didn't like. Like, he didn't get along with Hamez. He didn't get along with Dina. Um, and uh, I, I think it's rumoured even that Alan is meant to be leaving and going back to Italy. Um, there was a few other players. He'd signed Anwar, Anwar Al-Ghazi as well from, from Villa. Um, it's probably a bit of a make-weight for the, for the Dina deal. But um, now, now someone else has got to come in and say, oh, well, this, this squad that's been kind of gutted by by Rafa because most of it was because of um, like uh, players just signed on exorbitant wages, but um, now now there's this really thin squad and some new manager's got to come in and try and make something happen with a really threadbare squad. It's just really really strange. Yeah, no, they're, they're just their transfers. Uh, regardless of managers, their transfers over time has been so poor that each manager's inherited problems, and now the management side of things has become the biggest problem. So I, I just think that if you, if you go into Everton now, it's a matter of what, where do you start, unfortunately. Two, point, two points on those um, those linked managers. So Roberto Martinez, he's been mostly, um, well, he was unemployed for a long while, but he's been the uh, the manager of the Belgian national team. He hasn't, hasn't had a club job since leaving Everton six years ago. Um, but I guess Wayne Rooney is the, the most interesting um linked manager given that so he's at derby at the moment and he he's um got a team that's really struggling uh financially i think they've, they've got like a 12 point penalty and they're they're almost out of the relegation zone um despite the season only being halfway through they couldn't sign any players because they didn't have any money and they're a bit of a basket case but but wayne Rooney seems to be doing um pretty well there so he um him being linked with with uh, a premier league club is is pretty massive so it'd be interesting to see if if he does end up coming to the premier league how he goes because I tell you what, Wayne Rooney is not a person who I would have looked at 
five years ago and thought, I think he'll be a success as a manager. Nope. He's doing he's doing good things. Mm. Um, all right, let's uh, get into some A-League, though. So A-League, uh, Isuzu Utes A-League men's round 10, um, ha- again, has been absolutely hammered by uh, postponements. I was going to say cancellations, maybe <laughs> cancellations, but uh, no, still got it fresh in the mind, Jesse. Um, further postponements has meant that um, uh, some teams have played eight games and some teams have only played four. Um, Jesse, is this uh, is this the most perverted season so far after the the split season when COVID first interrupted the season, and then also last year's sort of condensed season? Is it? Well, I mean, if you say perverted in the sense that you know, you know, you're looking through a number of windows in a neighbourhood, and and the people that have sort of <laughs> cottoned on to you looking through have closed their curtains, but the rest keep the lights on. Um, then yeah, I guess if you're using that analogy, it is kind of perverted, but um. I think it's. I think it's more the perverted, fact that perverted, like people like counting the number of fans at, at games, like bin- binoculars, counting the amount of fans, <laughs> um, you know, that sort of shadow fraud. Um, I, I think with the the A League at the moment is that I said I said to you before, like it, it is a bit of a mess. I mean, we have to embrace it for what it is. We're doing the same mm-hmm. thing with other other leagues like the Premier League, but um, and hopefully, I mean, we've all got our fingers crossed that once this kind of ripple, this wave goes through that provided that players can recover okay, we may have more of a consistent second part of the season, but um, it has been incredibly disruptive. And I guess, like for me, particularly, I've been going away overseas for three weeks, coming back, I haven't actually missed that much football. Like I thought I'd missed so many games. And I, I was whipping through a lot of games in the last week or so to really catch myself up on the on the local games. And I, I hadn't actually missed as many as I thought. And it's just testament to how many were cancelled, postponed. Oh, um, over, uh, yeah, I almost caught myself there. <laughs> um, how many were postponed over Christmas? Like, uh, I think you guys were talking about it between like Christmas and New Year. There's a huge amount of them that just uh, didn't go ahead. There was, and it, and it does mean that I think um, Perth Glory announced today that they're they're good to go for their next scheduled match. So it'll be great for them because uh, I think um, I read today that it's been it's been sixty days since um, Dennis Sturridge made his debut. How wild is that? Yeah. Um, but look, speaking of wild things, uh, one of the matches that was actually played this weekend was Adelaide hosting Melbourne City. Um, this was your classic A-League game with, so it had four goals, a red card, a goalkeeping error, um, a penalty, a penalty saved, and a late comeback. And the just... A-League Anfield absolutely rocking. <laughs> I've never heard it called that before. Oh, right. we've, we've, we've been really pushing for that uh, in the previous pods. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, you know, red team, you know, Adelaide, the A-League Anfield. I mean, we're just hoping it takes off. Um, at yeah, this point. okay. Yeah. The Adelaide Adelaide Anfield, yeah, all right. Um, question for you. Um, the, the Craig Goodwin penalty, describe your response to Goodwin's penalty being saved. Well, first of all, I feel like I could hear like a, a streak outside uh, sort of coming across from uh, the northern suburbs and I realised it was probably Damo um, <laughs> watching his boy not convert. Um, he was probably devastated about that. Um, but uh, w- first of all, I mean, am I the only one that's sort of a bit surprised that he was on penalties? Have other players taken penalties over Craig Goodwin in the past? I mean, I'm not so in touch with my Adelaide um, first 11, but uh, it seemed it seemed to surprise me a little bit that he was he was taking them. 
I think I think Isaias maybe had already been substituted by this point in the game, and George Blackwood, the Adelaide striker, excuse me, he'd also been substituted too. So I think Craig Goodwin might might be first choice penalty taker anyway, um, but definitely if Isaias and and um, Goodwin's uh, sorry mm. not Goodwin. Um, uh, Blackwood isn't on the pitch. It's probably probably pretty clear that he would he would end up taking it. But um, in terms of responses, though, um, with with him doing the little studded run up, which we talked about, uh, it was the last week or two weeks ago on the pod, and how I hate it. I tell you what, I was a very satisfied man when when that penalty ended up getting saved. And so, yeah, it was. Uh, is it uh, Schadenfreude? Is that how you say it, Jesse? You know, your, yeah, your German's a, quite good. A, a good win becomes a bad miss. Yep, it um, was. It, it, well, it was as far as I was concerned. It was a good miss. And look, credit where credit's due. Um, and and probably can't say that a hell of a lot this year. But Tom Glover, I thought it was it was a decent penalty save. I mean, you still got to pick the right way to go. You've you still got to um uh, either stop it or or make sure that you at least sort of batted away uh, away from the the penalty taker or any on rushing attackers. So so credit where credit's due to Tom Glover for actually making the save as well. But look, Tom Glover wasn't, uh, I guess, uh, in the greatest of form in this game. He was arguably at fault for Adelaide's first goal um, prior to the penalty, uh, which gave them a foothold in the match. And I think there's been a little bit of a call in the last couple of weeks for Tom Glover to, to maybe take a rest. He's, he's a bit of a young player. And um, whilst he's shown that he, he could be a Socceroos uh, goalkeeper maybe in the future, he's, he's having a bit of a form dip at the moment. So do you think he's due for a rest or do you think he should just play on through it's tough to know with goalkeepers because it's such a mental mental thing and they once they uh, get taken out for a game it can actually do more damage than in pushing through mm. i actually thought that i mean i only saw snippets of it but there were moments where he looked like he actually did pretty well um so there's obviously good signs there it's just a, a, sometimes maybe it can be actually just lapses in concentration which as painful as it is to watch for, as a viewer, um, I'm pretty sure goalkeeping coaches actually prefer that because that's something that you can quite quickly address um, mm. if it's a lapse in concentration as opposed to just poor technique. I didn't look mm. like his technique was too poor, but having said that, I had to catch up with three uh, three and a half weeks of A-League, so I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen if he has been really off the boil. Um, please get in the comments and at me. Well, I think that's. I think you have actually summarised it quite well about that. Um, it, it's most likely down to lapses in concentration more than anything, and so look, I think it's a tough call. And and City don't have an experienced uh, senior goalkeeper um, as backup to Tom Glover. They've got a, another young goalkeeper. I think it's Matt's his first name, but Sutton's definitely his surname, and he hasn't played a lot of A-League games. So it's not like they can bring in an experienced uh, backup and say, all right, well, look, you, you may be not um, quite at the level of Tom Glover, but you've been there, you know the A-League well, so um, tough for tough for Sutton to come in, I think. Mm. Um, George Blackwood, he was on the scene for uh, to make the most of Tom Glover's error that I was referring to just before. Um, but I tell you what, it was not a glamorous goal, though. He absolutely shinned it, and I think it came off a defender and then basically just he just needed in, wasn't even trying to get it in. Does this goal, sorry, does this guy ever score legit goals or just scuffed like efforts? Um, I mean, you'd have to go back through the catalogue to, uh, <laughs> to to pick out all those most beautiful goals that he's scored in his career. Uh, There's, reminded not me of them. There's not many it, of them. It reminded me a little bit of Grealish's first goal for City where it just came off his thigh or something and it was just like, everyone was happy, obviously, but it was just very anticlimactic. 
Um, Very similar. <laughs> yeah. Mate, um, one player who's been copying a hiding recently uh, for City has been Matthew Leckie. Um, but he actually uh, he actually set up one or actually set up uh, Andrew Naboo's goal. Um, and Smithy he asks, will Leckie play again this season, or will he take the the Vince Grella route to retirement, which is basically just sort of fading into the into the sunset? I think he will play again this season, and it'll be for the Ruse. Um, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, you remember my my bold prediction was that he would play up front with Naboo and uh, McLaren against uh, Vietnam in Melbourne for the Socceroos. Yeah. <laughs> How's that going? I mean, I think the funny thing is when players like this, when they get really heavily criticised, it's hard to, to sort of see this as a positive, but it does actually reflect that people have high expectations of him. So, I mean, if he's been playing really, really poorly, which obviously he has at times, it's kind of like where, like everyone expects him to do better. He probably knows he can do better. The coaches will know he can do better. So, the only way up really from here is up. I mean, he, he can't really get much flatter because he's, he's, he's set himself such high expectations and we all expect that from him. So, I mean, considering there's still plenty of time this year, um, the season's got a wee way to go. And then obviously the, the, the World Cup and the, the qualifiers, everything's t- in front of us. He's still got time to make a late run and, and actually play the way that we expect him to. So maybe he's just going through a bit of a flat dip. Um, I don't know, but I mean, all I know is that I picked him to be the best player in the league this year, and he really needs to hurry up if he's going to achieve that. <laughs> Get some really quick votes in. Um, well, one player who's doing really well in the Alex Tobin uh, medal count is Anthony Caceres, and he got on the score sheet again for Sydney in their game against Brisbane. Um, it wasn't enough for them to get the win, though, for, uh, as Nikolai M- Milejuznic, um, he also got one for Brisbane, which meant the game finished one all, and Brisbane and Sydney end up sharing the points. Um, but this was a game that Sydney were expected to win comfortably. Obviously, Sydney being one of the most consistent teams and uh, in the last few years in the A-League, and, and Brisbane are uh, noticeably weaker this year as well. Um, but, yeah, were you surprised by the result, by Sydney's sort of inability to to find uh, find an extra goal? Yeah, and I also thought that the, um, the other thing I noticed in that game was that there was, there was probably more... Um, like they usually are very, very clinical in front of goal Sydney. And I think that there was a lot of moments where you sort of just expected them to to score and, and they, they weren't quite as potent as, as, as in the past. I mean, LaFondra, um, yeah, I think he had a few opportunities where I, I would expect him to score once again, because I had him as the golden boot. So obviously I'm a little bit disappointed, <laughs> uh, but, but, but the, uh, can we just talk about the Caceres goal as, as, you know, if you were trying to explain to somebody who just started watching football, what does finesse mean? Um, you know, like the the outside of the boot, that you know, with a little bit of a whip of the head um, as he runs past, it, it just looked great on camera, and it looked great in in, uh, in live speed as well. So you had to appreciate that. It was a lovely ball um, from Cam Sober as well. Caceres isn't always the most effective footballer, but there's one thing he has in spades, and that's finesse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he pressed the finesse button on FIFA. <laughs> 
Uh, one player who I actually was a little bit surprised about about how good he was in this game was Macklin Freak. I thought he was he was probably one of the best players or one of the most influential players in this game. In that he made a whole bunch of saves or uh, was very influential in in maybe putting a striker off of their attempt on goal as well. So so um, Macklin Freak, I know he's one of Colby's boys, but um, he's not a player who I'd always looked at and thought, yeah, I don't I uh, see a player there. But uh, I tell you what, he was very good against Sydney. I thought. It's funny too because like when I've seen that name sort of overseas, it's like Freaker is like the sort of way it's said. But here it's just like I feel like I'm back listening to Silverchair and like um in in the mid nineties, like everyone here is just like freak, like great save by freak. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, just easy, easy, mate. I mean he's just a goalkeeper. Just uh, like yeah. the hard hard rock like mid nineties guitar in the in the <laughs> yeah. background. Yeah, frog stomp going on in the background. Daniel Johns. Oh, I tell you what. So, so I was how old would I have been? About seven or eight, I think, when when that's when that Silver Chair album came out. And I remember in primary school, like each of your tables used to have um, its own. Um, it was like competitions amongst each of the tables, right? And sort of if you did good things, you'd get like a point for your table. And if you were if it someone was naughty or or whatever, I think they'd take points off. They probably don't take points off for that kind of thing anymore. But anyway, so each table, I think there was five or six tables in the classroom. Um, and each table could have its own name, and ours was the Freaks because we we really liked that Silver Chair song Silver as chair. like as seven year olds, right? And what what an homage, what an yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that the um the the primary school teacher was loving that there was a bunch of seven year olds calling themselves Freaks. So <laughs> we have we have seven seven year olds who are ironic already. They've already <laughs> figured out what irony is. Oh dear. Um but Sydney playing Brisbane, that was the second time this week that they'd played each other. Uh they played each other in the FFA Cup on Tuesday night. Um this one was as one-sided as everyone was expecting it to be with Sydney. They only won 1-0, but it was a pretty one-sided game with Brisbane sort of struggling really, even until um they had a, an extra man advantage after James Donaghy was sent off. Uh, it does mean that Sydney play Central Coast on Tuesday in the FFA Cup semi-final for a spot in the grand final, um, while Victory will play the the Phoenix at a date to be confirmed. Uh, next up, we're going to talk some Premier League. So first up, uh, I think it'd be a little bit remiss to talk about uh, the maybe not necessarily the biggest match, but probably the biggest performance I thought of the weekend, which was uh, that 20 or 30 minutes from Coutinho uh, for Aston Villa coming on, making his second Premier League debut, uh, this time against Manchester United. And I thought, you know, you've you've got to be doing something right if you're able to overshadow uh, Man United's just absolute shit show of a situation at the moment. And Coutinho managed to do that, I thought. Um, we'll go into a little bit more specifics, I guess, about his performance. But um, first of all, that assist was just chef's kiss. Um, but the the goal as well was just uh, was was really tidy as well. And I thought um, it'd be remiss if we if we didn't talk about that performance because he I wouldn't say he did it self uh, single handedly, but um, it was very influential in getting Villa back into the game after Man United were up. What, they were already up two nil, and they looked like they they were seek, so, um, seeking a third basically to kill off the game. So um, good stuff not, from from Coutinho. Not slinging like shit directly at Buendia, but you know, that's what I think Villa expected from Buendia when they signed him. Like, basically one of Coutinho's first touches and, you know, he's he's doing a one-two, mm. running into the box, quick feet, 
lays it off goal. I think that's what they were expecting Buendia to do for them. But and and, and I, again, like the reason why I said I'm not slinging shit at them is that I feel like now they can actually really um, figure out how they want to use Buendia. If, if Coutinho is going to play that kind of role, then maybe um, you know he gets moved out to the right a little bit more, or or they sort of alternate. I mean, it's actually a pretty interesting um, squad now with those two guys playing because I mean, really. Coutinho seems to love to drift out to the left and hug that sort of pocket between the midfield and the left wing. Um, Buendia does too, but in saying that, I feel like Buendia is a little more versatile and can play in other areas. So um, I think... They might yeah, actually like, help each other in getting the best out of each other because maybe one of the problems has been that everyone expected Buendia to be this hard-running sort of English-style winger, and I think he's actually going to benefit from having maybe someone who's a little bit better um, technically around him and someone who wants to play in tight spaces. So it could actually be really great, the two of them playing together, which I think I mean, is something are you, are you that saying, no one was, was expecting. Are you saying that could be like a Xavi and Iniesta kind of combination? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Scenes. <laughs> Just a little bit further up the pitch. Aston, Aston, Aston Villa. <laughs> that is good. That is very good, Jesse. Um, but look, uh, obviously Villa were good, but something else that sort of came up after after the game was finished was Anthony Martial. And uh, Ralph Ragnick, he said that Anthony Martial refused to play in this game. Um, and refused to be in the squad. But Anthony Martial afterwards uh, posted on Instagram saying that um, he did not and would never refuse to play for Manchester United or would refuse to do something like that. So um, the, the situation, I guess, at Manchester United with, with some of these unhappy players is just going from bad to worse, isn't it? To be honest, it's kind of surprising this is, hasn't happened earlier. Like for, mm. for some reason they didn't do this with Ollie, where you kind of... There were still problems there, um, but it seemed that players maybe were just still getting their game time. And even though the system wasn't, they weren't a fan of the system, they they were still getting their minutes, uh, even Martial included, at, at most of the time if he wasn't injured. But now, like, you've got a guy in there who's pretty straight to the point about who he wants to play and who he doesn't want to play. And Martial was clearly one of the first <sighs> players that he identified as not being, not being helpful to his style of play. And he hasn't taken to it very well at all. And it's getting ugly with some of these uh, players behind. But 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 I guess what I'm saying is that there's so many egos in that team that I suppose most of us are a little bit surprised this hasn't happened earlier. It's just kind of been waiting to waiting to ignite. Well, what they probably would have done if, if Ole was there, they would have said, oh, Anthony Martial, it's okay. We'll just give you a contract extension. We'll, we'll, we'll increase your pay by 40% and everything will be okay. And he's gone. Okay, I don't mind if I'm not not playing. If you're going to give me a forty percent pay increase, mm. and that's that's been their, just their approach. To everything in the last few years is just like band aid solutions that just push the can further down the hill. And ironically, that just creates more toxicity in the squad because those players aren't really playing for the badge. So it's just exactly. kind of you know you've made your own bed in that in that situation, unfortunately. Yeah, back to, I guess, the actual game, though, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't start in this one, but Bruno uh, Fernandes, he he did stand up in the absence of uh, of Ronaldo, scored two goals. Uh, that second goal, he's absolutely fizzed that into the uh, into the Villa goal. Um, do you think it's it's almost like not having to do Ronaldo's doggies means that uh, that Fernandes is, is actually uh, got the energy to be the player that he's been for the last few years? I mean, I don't know if you said Fernando's, um, uh, you know, deliberately there, but I mean, if that's a new chicken joint, I want in. Um, 
<laughs> Fernando's peri sauce. Um, it's peri I, peri good. <laughs> I bet it is. Yeah. Now he <laughs> he does often play well when I mean ironically we're talking about Coutinho like this, but when 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 teams rely on him, um, mm. he plays well. And we saw that at Sporting before he came to Manchester United, he was by far and away the best player in the team, and they looked to him. Sporting's actually a better t- uh, team and squad now than when he was there and the more balanced, but he, he really excelled being the guy who's on penalties, the guy that everyone looks to to create everything. Um, so he, he, you know, carrying a team on his back is not new to Bruno Fernandes, but it's like at Manchester United, he kind of had that and then Ronaldo turns up and, you know, all of a sudden it's not really his team anymore. So we did see a bit of a glimpse. And I, I, I think the other thing as well as uh, if you remember this fixture, it was quite spicy for him because this is the same fixture and the other way around where Martinez got in his head. And that's when he mm. fizzed the penalty. He fizzed the penalty over the bar. Um, so I think he was uh, playing with a little bit of more, little more motivation than he would, usually would be uh, trying to get the ball <laughs> past Emmy, and he got it past him twice. So I guess he's atoned. You love to see it. Uh, speaking of squad depth and balance, uh, one thing with a very balanced uh, deep squad is Manchester City, and they hosted Chelsea uh, in the the prime time game, at least Australian time, on Saturday night. Um, Heaven De Bruyne, as we're now calling him, uh, he struck home with the the goal, a very well taken goal, I should say, as well, uh, to give Manchester City the the one 0 victory. And really, I mean, that there's not that much to say about this game because even though I watched it in full, um, there wasn't that much to talk about because uh, Tuchel really set up this his uh, his Chelsea side just to to stifle. And you could say that they were doing a pretty good job at stifling City for for big chunks of this game, almost three quarters of the game. But um, obviously, Heaven De Bruyne's uh, his class just shone through uh, eventually. But probably the, um, uh, the this was a game that really there wasn't any mistakes. But if there was one mistake that was uh, that was made, it was by Jim Beglin calling the Eddie Had the empty Had, um, and. He ended up having to to make a, a full blown apology um, on on social media about it because I mean we all joke about it but I mean man's professional can't be calling it the empty hat. <laughs> I mean the man is probably there. He probably has a better view of the seats. Um, you know I feel like he's probably more qualified than any of us to make that call. Um, what, but what what was worse, the um, Jim Beglet calling it the empty hat, or those two seven news uh, reporters talking about uh, Djokovic last week? Oh geez, yeah, that was cringe. That was cringe. No, I think I think you have to go with the reporters on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, I the thing I noticed in this game is wasn't there a big chance? I mean, um, Lukaku had a big chance, um, but there was. Oh no, I'm thinking You're about right. The city. No, he was. I'm thinking no, about... he was. He was one on one with um, with Edison. I I can't remember if it got called back for, for offside anyway. But you're right. He there was one chance where. Um, Lukaku was given a, a really good chance, and maybe in a, in a less sort of pressurized situation, maybe he might have taken that chance. And if he had have had a little bit more game time recently as well, but and when he um, tried to pass to Ziyech as well, and Ziyech was offside, and it was a bit of a mess. Um, they made a bit of a meal of that as well. But there was another. I was thinking of a chance actually. It was one of the city chances where I think Kovacic gave it away um, right in front of the goal, and it was actually Kepa who made a good save to, to save their bacon, but. Yeah, I mean, with De Bruyne, it's just he just annoys me because you can't help but love the player. Like he's just such an extraordinary player that you know, regardless of he's wearing a Man City shirt, you just have to appreciate how amazing he is. But 
really pisses me off when he scores like a decisive winner. Like he did the same thing away at Chelsea a year or two ago where he just scored an absolute screamer. And there's something about him when he gets angry as well, because he doesn't get angry very often. But you'll see in the lead up to that goal that somebody put their studs down the back of him and he just, he's like, all right, I'll be having this. And, um, <laughs> he, you know, occasionally he just lets rip um, when he's just sick. Like I, he does so much creating, I think, that sometimes he's just like, all right, I'm just going to take this uh, with my own hands and see what we can do and and it's usually like the, he's pretty pretty lethal it's like the it's the opposite of you know those players they lose their head after that like they they cop a bad tackle or something like that mm. and they just start shooting from like all sorts of terrible places and they um they yeah they take they take shots from bad places they start ta- like doing bad tackles and stuff like that but de bruyne doesn't he just starts scoring bangers yep he does it, <laughs> it, it almost improves his concentration yeah <laughs> Um, but look, a, a stat for you, City are now 13 points clear of Chelsea in third place. Um, Chelsea, though, are six points clear of West Ham in fourth. So Chelsea are in a bit of a weird sort of limbo zone now. It's not really that much difference between second and third in terms of sort of prestige or even Champions League these days. So um, it's not really... They can't win. They can't win the uh, the title now, conceivably. But um, it's very unlikely that they would even finish fourth now. I think, um, and, and fourth seems to be a bit of a three or maybe even a four way um, uh, race between West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal, and, and maybe Manchester United as well. Um, but Chelsea season now it looks like it's pretty much Champions League or bust, which is is a, a weird place to be in. Uh, yeah, next mean, up, yeah. I think it is. And I, I think, you know, we have to get George on for some Chelsea corner soon and pick his brains and see how he felt about that performance. Mm. Uh, next up, Norwich. They hosted Everton. This one we've kind of already mentioned already was uh, the game that led to Rafa Benitez getting sacked after Norwich beat Everton 2-1. Uh, Norwich are just one point away from safety now, which is massive for them. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about this game, mate? It's not really that much I was going to say. Just, I mean, we just got to put a bit of respect on Dean Smith. I mean, you know, like he's come in and he's, he's, he's there's still plenty of time left in the season. And as you mentioned, they're, they're digging their way out. Um, you know, maybe that canary will get out of the coal mine. Um, and I, I tell you what, like, I know we had all pretty much written off Norwich a couple of weeks ago. And look, they were they were terrible against West Ham, I've got to say, even last week. And um but having said that, though, if if Norwich are able to stay up, I think that is an enormous. It's, it's should deserve. Uh, he would des- um, Dean Smith, I think, would deserve to be uh, to be manager of the year if if he keeps Norwich up because I think that's a massive achievement, especially considering their team is is worse than uh, last time they were in the Premier League two years ago. So it's um, it's interesting with these teams too because I think that what we all we all support teams that genuinely have a squad that can play pretty consistent consistently through a whole season. But I think especially when it comes to the relegation race, you just see these teams that go out and play an absolute shocking, like basically that they're just in damage limitation, mm. shocking game. Next week they play against a relegation rival and they just have like this extra 50% of energy and they just go for it. And then the next week they just get run over. But it's like they've just accepted that in those games against the bigger teams, they're going to get run over and they don't expend too much energy and they don't try and do too much. And then they just go after the ones around them. So you might be starting to see a little bit of that from Norwich. I mean, they might have a, a really poor performance one week, but, you know, then all of a sudden they do that to Everton. So it's, well, 
Yeah, and I mean, like in- inconsistency is one thing, but I think you're picking up on something that um, that Watford have actually done pretty well, which is they they are very selective at the games that they go. All right, we we think we're in with a chance here, and you, you see some weeks they just you can tell that when they go out there, they're thinking we don't really have a shot at this, so we're we're not going to expend a lot of mental mm. or physical energy um, in in trying to win it. Um, but one game that uh, Watford did think they were a chance uh, in was uh, when they travelled to Newcastle in a real relegation six-pointer. Um, Watford's late equaliser um, that stopped uh, Eddie Howe from getting his first victory as Newcastle boss after they went up early through Alan St. Maximum. Um, one thing I did love about this was uh, Watford, They their social media team posted... Um, Joao Pedro's uh, equaliser on their social media, as you would expect they would. And at the very end of it, they showed Eddie Howe just cross-armed, um, just obviously very unimpressed uh, afterwards. And I, I actually watched the – I saw that before I caught the the full highlights um, on, on the Sunday. And I noticed that, like, Eddie Howe's reaction is not in the Premier League highlights. It's, <laughs> like, Watford had done that specifically to show Eddie Howe just, like, frowning on, on the Newcastle bench, which I thought that was a very nice bit of, like, uh, a little bit of uh, video editing, I thought. Wow. Um, but, look, it was uh, Kieran Trippier's, uh his second Premier League debut as well for uh, this time for Newcastle, and he'd be very disappointed again. No clean sheet. Uh, unable to to get a win after um, Newcastle lost in the FA Cup. I think it was midweek or last weekend. Um, one one thing I just don't understand is obviously Newcastle bought Kieran Trippier. It's maybe a, a pretty decent um, purchase. He's he's English. He knows the Premier League. Um, he's got he's got a great um, set piece delivery as well. And so with with Chris Wood, you can see what the plan is there. But um, I mean, in that whole back line. Um, it, the fullback is is the position that they're probably strongest out of. Uh, it's a it's centre back that they need uh, new players at, and they, uh, I know that they've been linked with a lot of diff- uh, a lot of different players. But um, Newcastle been linked with Atalanta's left back Robin Goosens, um, the the German bloke who a lot of people would remember from the Euro. So just really bizarre that uh, I mean maybe it's just agent talk, but um, just really bizarre that they're still being linked with with fullbacks. Or well, maybe they just want to push uh, Matt Ritchie further up the pitch, yeah, push that wand a little further up the pitch. A <laughs> uh, little bit of extra magic was uh, served up in, in Wolves versus Southampton. Connor Cody, he got a rare goal uh, for Wolves as they continue to do bits. Um, they got a 3-1 win at home uh, against Southampton. Wolves remain in eighth and they look very comfortable at the moment. Um, we obviously we've talked about that James Ward-Prowse free kick um, earlier on with the the commentary bit as well, but wowie that that free kick that was that that was something special because it was it was from a long way out as well like it was that's pretty close to being 40, 40 yards out which you, you don't see people scoring from that sort of range. No, you don't. But I guess what we were we had a quick chat about this the other day, and I I just think that. You know, I think you mentioned you need the audacity to go for it. Like, and I think that what I loved about it is that there are so many players at the top level of the game who have the ability to hit a ball similar to that, not probably as as, as accurate as that, but they just don't have the balls to do it. They just don't mm. have the balls to step up and be like, I'm going to have this. And Ward Prowse, talisman of the team, he's just, he's just done so many great free kicks over the years. And I think he even fooled the commentators and the goalkeeper because as we know, his specialty <laughs> is to wrap his foot around it. So 
goalkeeper, right you, you, mm. you notice that the goalkeeper actually moved that way, expecting the ball to go that way, and the ball did go that way, and then it swerved back the other way. It was absolutely <laughs> insane. And and that's why. So what it reminded me of was um, maybe from a different era, but it, it reminded me of the Jabalani from the I think it was the 2010 World Cup. And remember how everyone was sort of complaining about it at the time yeah. that the ball was a bit unpredictable and it sort of start to swerve one way, then it go back a, a different direction. But that's what it was like. It, it seemed to it looked like it was starting to go from right to left, and then it just spears off mm. and goes in, like left to right and would have been very very difficult to to keep that one out i think even if um even if he was looking to to go to to the top right hand corner um people Joe people Lazar. froth people still froth that that ronaldo free kick against portsmouth i think it was and mm. you know like this was this is a very similar strike it was it started sort of central and then it just it out it was an out swinger well, except it was um, that that James Ward Prowse um, effort was, I think, a, probably about another ten yards further out, though. Yeah, it's beautiful. Inject. Um, Sam Ellis he asks, where does James Ward Prowse rate in uh, all-time Premier League free kick takers? He's got to be up I mean, there, doesn't he? I feel like in recent years he's become so much more lethal, though. Like he's always been good at free kicks, but I feel like I used to always associate him with being being able to put the ball on a on an absolute dime like he's so good at whipping the ball in for center backs to score and mm-hmm. over the years i think he's been a really big provider from set pieces um for, for the saints but in the last few seasons you just he's one of the players you fear the most once you get to a certain close point near the box he, he isn't phased as much as other players about getting it up over the wall he just he he backs himself to do that every time and get it down to just dip so that's what makes him so lethal. He just has so much confidence in his ability. Like normally, normally you might see a player they they get to this point, um, whether it's in the Premier League or or anywhere they they get to this point where they you feel that they master free kicks, uh, sort of around the the penalty area, and the, you see this sort of confidence um, where they they just feel like that they know that they can um, put it sort of a, a top corner or, or or maybe even bottom corner if they can get enough on it. And and James Ward Prowse is, is he looks like he's at that point already, but he's only twenty seven. He could still mm. be doing this for another five years. I mean, I can understand that because you know I'm thirty three, and when we went to the park, uh, you know, before <laughs> Christmas, we put a wheelie bin in front of the posts, and you know, I was just whipping James Ward Prowse free kicks over that wheelie bin. So, I mean, I I certainly felt that moment that I'd mastered free kicks, but um, you know, Jesse Ward Prowse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, moving on though. Uh, so Burnley against uh, Leicester that was postponed uh, quite early, uh, quite late on. So unfortunately, that one will have to get um, uh, rescheduled. Uh, but there was two matches that were were played on Sunday night. Uh, both Jesse and my teams respectively both played. Um, pretty r- routine three 0 win for Liverpool. I got to say, despite being without Salah, Mane, um, and others, uh, goals from Fabinho, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Minamino gave Liverpool the win over Brentford. Um, pretty great for Liverpool to get all three points on the back of not having some of their best players, Jesse. Yeah, and just so many, so many um, boxes ticked in a routine, routine Liverpool home performance. Lots of scares. Um, where we just slip, slip defensively and teams, you know, almost score, but somehow just miss at Anfield. And then us um, missing and being quite wasteful as well, but still getting three goals. Um, yeah, sometimes we just, we have a lot of shots, don't score many, 
Um, but I think that that's a good problem to have considering that our best goal scorers are away. Um, and the biggest concern Liverpool fans at the moment is, is not being able to actually create things. We certainly struggled against Arsenal in the cup. So um, I think people will be quite relieved that we did create a lot and, and got the, the job done. Very good, but um, um, yeah, West- heading over heading over to London Stadium. Yeah, so West Ham they hosted uh, Leeds United in a game that I think probably a lot of West Ham fans would have thought, oh yeah, they they played them in the FA Cup midweek as well, so they and and uh, got the win there, but uh, it wasn't to be. And and West Ham uh, looked like they struggled a little bit here with uh, so particularly Diop, he he struggled um, with that uh, the Leeds attacking uh, front three of of Harrison. Um, Harrison, Rafinha, and uh, Dan James. Um, but it was Jack Harrison. He was the one that stole all the headlines. Um, unbelievably, he scored a hat-trick um, as he put West Ham to the sword. Um, and it was a Leeds uh, side that were missing a whole bunch of senior players as well. And um, despite none of them being out through COVID, it was uh, quite conceivable that Leeds probably could have uh, requested that the game be postponed and and they would have actually been able to successfully do so. Um, but a uh, pretty impressive win for Leeds, um, who haven't had any of their games postponed so far. Um, one thing I did uh, think was pretty interesting out of this game was um, Leeds actually got a fourth goal, but it was disallowed after, I think it was, um, uh, I can't remember his name, the the Polish uh, Polish midfielder with oh, the... Click. Click, click, yep. Mm. Matthias Click, the, uh, he was... Basically, the ball was going in. It'd been he'd beaten Fabianski, and Click was on the goal line, and it brushed him. Um, and because he was in an offside position, Mike Dean ended up uh, disallowing the goal. And you suspect that some referees would have been like, "Oh, look, I'm I'm sorry. I know this had no impact at all on the on the actual goal um, being scored, but well, he was offside, so I'm sorry, but I have to do it." You just know that Mike Dean would have taken great pleasure in absolutely just ruling this out and being like. Rules is rules. <laughs> yeah, just real, real Grinch, real Grinch yeah. areas. Exactly. Um, bit of a, like I said, disappointing result for for West Ham, but a uh, very handy win for Leeds. Um, it does mean that um, uh, West Ham are only two points ahead of Arsenal, who do have two games in hand. Um, and then you've got Spurs, who have four games in hand on, on West Ham and are only, what, four points behind West Ham. So it's, it seems pretty unlikely that West Ham are going to hold on to, to fourth place in the short term, but um, obviously it's still a long season. As far as Leeds go, um, they're uh, with the win, they're up to clear 15th. They're clear of Everton and they're, they're looking a little bit more comfortable now than maybe they were um, uh, just the, uh, a week or so ago. Um, they're now nine points clear of, um, of Norwich, who are the, the top placed uh, in the relegation zone at the moment. Um, the other game that was postponed, not cancelled, was the the North London derby, which was one that we were meant to be talking about in a bit more detail tonight, but that ended up being postponed. Not clear exactly how many... Um, oh, actually, sorry, before we do that, and I, I do hate going back on this. Um, at Kazonis, he asks, uh, he asked me specifically, should Jared Bowen, the, the West Ham winger, should he be the face of Chesty Bond? And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, I hate to be, I hate to double back, but uh, that was a, a fantastic question. As I thought, that's actually a really good shout. Um, apparently, um, Jared Bowen is is dating one of the uh, mm. one of the what's it called, Love Island, one of the the 
like the really prominent uh, people off of Love Island from over there was the name Danny Dyer. And so all of the West End fans have really gotten around the fact that Jared Bowen has just turned into an absolute force of nature in the past sort of six weeks since he started dating Danny Dyer. Um, and just the 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 double Ds and, and Danny Dyer just mean that um, – it, it, you can just imagine the, the West Ham fans, they've really doubled down on Danny Dyer songs. Double so. down, Danny Dyer, you know, <laughs> Dildo Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just one big, you know, um, dare I say it, orgy. But, um, you know, but um, you know, happy for the bloke. I mean, you know, he's just living his, he's just living his best life. Oh well, as I so as I was saying, um, though North London derby was was postponed, and and Diddy Hammond, the the ex Liverpool midfielder from the the early two thousands, uh, he made a really great point I thought on social media, which was that um, so Bayern Munich, they had a full bench of players who did not have a single Bundesliga appearance, yet still managed to turn out a um, an eleven, uh, whereas Premier League clubs have squads of up to sixty players and call games off on a weekly basis. What is the point of these young players? And, uh, I mean, at Kazonis, he asks as well, uh, why do some teams insist on not playing football? They have enormous squads plus under-23s, players on loan, and they can't play. So, look, it's it's a bit of a farce, I think, uh, and, and I think everyone thinks that that um, this uh, the North London derby didn't end up going ahead. You got anything else that um, you'd like to add on, I guess, this whole whole basket case of a situation regarding cancellations, postponements. I think that the hardest thing about it is like trying to come back to a world where things are fair, because that's like you mentioned before about Leeds not having many, you know, postponements Mm. or, or having an opportunity to take two. Um, Whereas other teams have certainly uh, taken advantage of the situation as you'd expect some teams to. Um, it's just kind of we're now at a point where like it isn't fair there are teams mm. that are suffering more than others um are teams that are upholding you know i guess you could say a little bit of honor and other teams that are just taking the piss um it doesn't matter who you support and if you are, are one of those teams um it's still at a point now where everything is just this such high stakes in the premier league and what we're seeing is that the, the the desperation to ensure that they've got the strongest squad possible to face each other. I mean, especially the, the, the relegation games that you're seeing at the moment. I mean, some of the chat around Dennis staying and um, and and at for Watford and not going to the uh, the Africa Cup of Nations. A lot of it was made up about the coach and you know, but here's a guy who's broken through and is absolutely killing it for Watford and he's in, in the top division. Um, and Watford have said, well, we're going to need you. I mean, if, 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 you know, I think it was maybe Damo mentioned last week or someone who said that, you know, what if Watford's next few games while the Africa Cup of Nations run with Chelsea, Liverpool and City, would, would Watford be so desperate to hold on to Dennis then? Like, I think mm. what you're seeing is play these squads are desperate to field their best team, desperate to win every single week and get the most points they can. And it's kind of, unfortunately, you see the ugly side of that. In uh, Germany, well, I mean, Bayern Munich's a juggernaut, so I'm not sure if they're the greatest example. I mean, their bench probably still as good as most teams in the uh, Bundesliga. So because even, they because they poach all the players, players. <laughs> they poach all the players, don't they? <laughs> Bastards! Bastards! <laughs> Munich! That's they pirates. That's all they are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Uh, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, I think that's probably a good note to to wrap up on then uh, on Bastards Munich. 
Um, but <laughs> um, it's been a lot of fun uh, talking football with you, Jesse. It's been great having the listeners along for the ride. Uh, thanks to all the contributors as well for for providing us with us questions uh, on social media. Um, previously in the past, we've asked if you could uh, give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to. But uh, I note now that um, Spotify, are, uh, you're able to do reviews on Spotify for podcasts as well. So if you listen to us on Spotify or you you listen to it or you listen to anything on Spotify, um, please jump on and, and give us a review if you if you like listening to us. If you don't like listening to us, don't give us a review though, because we <laughs> we need all the positive feedback we can get. So, <laughs> but look, that's uh, that's it for this week. Uh, and until next week, enjoy the football.